We've all heard the saying, learn to love the process. But why learn to love something? Why not create a process that is easy to love? Welcome to Peace with the Process, where I bring you professionals who specialize in the processes we incorporate to sustain consistent, healthy growth. I believe in learning from others' mistakes and successes. So I also bring on entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and tell us how they got there and how they got out. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life and that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in for another Peace with the Process podcast. And thank you all for continuing to be uh, supportive listeners of the podcast. I have genuinely enjoyed having you along for the ride with us. So today we have uh, a great guest, a friend of mine that I met recently. I feel confidently enough to call us friends. And we got the opportunity to be part of a mastermind group, the same mastermind group that... um, Oh, forgive me. Nick Velasquez uh, and I are part of with uh, Book Thinkers. Uh, we have Ryan Perez, uh, and Ryan is a uh, a young man, not too much younger than myself. I believe he's about twenty one, twenty two years old. And this guy is he just has a lot of ambition in him. He has the drive. He has the push. He wants to develop something for the masses. And I'll let him tell you his story, what it is he believes in, and what it is that he wants to provide to the world. In the meantime, please feel free to head over to peacewiththeprocess.com to check out all things Peace With The Process. Remember, I always have an opportunity to work with me one-on-one. I say always. When I get booked up, I'll be booked up. But as of right now, I have open opportunities to work with me one-on-one. You can head over to peacewiththeprocess.com, click on Create Your Peace, and click on that to get an idea of what that looks like so that we can both work together to move toward what your peace with the process can look like for you. Now, I have just recently released an article for this week. If you're following us on Facebook or Instagram, you will see plenty of information on that. If you don't, go ahead, head over there, follow us. Uh, And if you don't want to do that, if you're one of those uh, anti-social media people, that's perfectly fine. I get that 100%. Just go over to peacewiththeprocess.com and you will find uh, this, I say this week's article. I release them about every two weeks or so. Uh, And this one is on why relationships come first. You don't have to just read the article. You can watch the video on it if you want to digest that information much quicker. That's what we've got going on this past week keep your eyes out for the father's perspective episode this friday it's a little episode that i'm doing about the perspective of being a father my son is now two weeks old uh, as of tomorrow morning from when this uh, episode airs and on the friday morning or i'm sorry friday series each Friday. I don't know how long I'm going to have this series go. I don't know how long each episode is going to be. I just got done recording the first one where I go over what it was like for me to experience a natural birth and be a part of that as the father. And, uh, you know, a midwife, a doula, the whole nine yards, bathtub in the middle of a living room, 
it was a very crazy experience. It was about 24 hours of labor from the time of water breaking to the time of birth, 12 hours of intense labor. It was one heck of an experience. And then I also talk about how the last two weeks have been as a process-oriented individual, as somebody who wants to do my absolute best to be an example to other fathers around the world, to let people know that you can actively continue to have peace with the process, to continue to create peace with the process, even while being a father, even in what some people consider to be some of the toughest times, which is, you know, the brand new baby, it's supposed to be sleepless nights, it's, you know, supposed to be, oh my gosh, there's just so much going on, good luck getting anything done. Listen to this Friday's episode when it comes out and listen to a little bit of that experience about how it has been for me. I will keep you abreast. I'll give you the dirty, the inside and the out. I'll let you know some of the details of what I did. This episode is very much just an overview, but since I will, I do plan on releasing it each week, an episode of what it's like to be a father and my my processes in that, some tips and tricks that my wife and I have learned to help us through that process. I'll dive into that and I'll go into more detail as this journey continues, but I did want to spend that first episode really giving a good overview of the birth experience without going into a lot of detail, because I know some men, you're not going to care about it, uh, at least all the details. Uh, Some of you are going to want to know all the details, and I'll plant some of those in the next few episodes. But without further ado, that's what you have to look forward to this week. We've got plenty of things going on over here at Peace With The Process, all to continue to provide you with the tools and resources you need to continue growth without sacrificing your relationships, yourself, or your health in the process. So without further ado, I bring to you my friend Ryan Perez in part one of a two-part episode. Be sure to check out part number two over on Ryan's podcast, Mind Devs Podcast, and you can catch it where Ryan interviews me. Had to plug that in there. Here you go, guys. Here's Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm good. It's uh, here in Vegas. Is, it looks like it might rain, but it also looks like it might be sunny. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same here. It's kind of the same here. So I know when we, uh, our last conversation, man, we got on a phone call and <laughs> we, we were on that phone call until my phone died, actually. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was gonna be like a 10, 15 minute conversation. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check out, see who Blake is. I was like, appreciate reaching out. I'm like, sure, let's just get on a call. And then it ended up being like an hour and a half of just yeah. us talking and like bouncing ideas. And I was like, whoa, I mean, that was cool. I was like, all right, yeah. Absolutely, so, yeah. And for the listeners who, who who don't know um, who Ryan is and and how we met and how we got connected? We had an opportunity to be on a uh, on a mastermind together, and uh, me and Ryan, I reached out to Ryan. And we started talking, and like he said, you know, I was thinking, you know, like he said, 15, 30 minutes, but no, we we hit it off, and we ended up having like an hour and a half long conversation until my phone died. Uh, because Ryan uh, does a right now, I mean, I think one of the most uh, successful channels that you have is your uh, book uh, book dev page, book right? Devs, your books, yeah. yeah, your yeah. book, your uh, your book, <laughs> your Instagram bookstagram page, um, really awesome. Love that. But he's got even more Thank going you. on behind that that we will yeah. talk about, uh, which so is kind of what we'll kind of roll into. Your intention was also 10, 15 minutes. 
with that call? Yeah, I, w- I would say I probably about probably about 15 to 30. See, okay. I was like, I don't think either one of us intended for it to be so long, but we were just, it was flowing, you know, I was just like, wow, this is cool. And for sure, as soon as I realized that, I was like, man, we, we got to talk, we got to do podcast something. Because even yeah. within that, there were some ideas you you shared with me, where I was like, damn, this would be helpful for people. And then vice versa. I was like, I, I, I felt like some of the stuff I was able to say, because I felt comfortable talking to you, was just like, ideas I've always thought of, but never shared with other people as well. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Who knows? Who knows what's going to come out of today's conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, dude, uh, tell us about uh, not only book devs, but you've told me about uh, Dev Nation. Now, this is something that's in the works. Yes. But tell tell us how we led up to that. Uh, yeah. So, from let's see. I guess from a young age, I've always been really curious with knowledge, learning and uh, growing as a person. Uh, I definitely felt like a lot of that got sort of held back throughout my upbringing. I know we shared, uh, but for the audience as well, like uh, I, I consider myself raised by a single mom, mother, even though technically I did have a father, but he was a bit more abusive, a bit more restrictive with what I could do growing up. So I think I was naturally, cause I, I try to think why, like, like looking back sort of like reflecting, cause that's something I've noticed it's like, even though I think this is my story, it's something I'm still trying to piece together. So for the audience as well, bear with me, like it's going to be one of the pieces. <laughs> and I know Blake's going to sort of help me also figure it out as we go. But um, I think my characteristic, I was always very curious. And so then once he left and, and then once I pretty much moved out, I was always a very curious person, plus still wanting to help people. I'm also the oldest of three with, uh, with again, a single mom for like the other half of my childhood. So I think naturally that forced me to, well, one, be uh, kind and helpful for other people, serve other people, help develop sort of my leadership skills with, with my siblings. I always saw us as, like, as a team to just try and better, uh, what, grow the household in a sense, so, uh, you know, get things done for mom, help get things done for their schooling, while also taking care of chores, taking care of other things. But then I noticed throughout high school, because that. Uh, I, I moved out around 16, actually. So I moved out mm. sophomore, junior year of, of uh, what high school. Now, I, I did get, like, it wasn't a full move out. I will preface it with that as well. Like, <laughs> sometimes I tell people, that, holy crap, like, you moved out. And I don't think it was, like, my mom's situation where I think she moved out at 14, 15, just because wow. she, like, had to f- go fully on her own. This was back in, like, the 80s and 90s when she lived in New York. Um, no, she definitely helped me with, uh, with uh, uh, rent and part of college. But I had to figure out sort of the other, I guess, adulting things people don't really teach you, you know, when you first sort of move out, like, well, I had to get a job to pay for food, uh, get a job, uh, have a, had a girlfriend, uh, and, you know, take going out that costs money, you know, things like that. So it's like just the little things like that. I wouldn't say it was like anything crazy, but still the, there was, I've been with my family for what those 15, 16 years. So it was, I remember absolutely completely absurd. And I felt like I was going crazy for a couple of years. Anyways, the reason I'm pretty much talking about that is because I just wanted to build some sort of context of like, I think eventually once the, the pandemic hit, I was like, well, how can I go ahead and, and, and help people with this, this absurd thing? You know, like, um, and so I tried to look at, well, okay, what are, what are things that I enjoy that I perhaps like, maybe something that I'm good at, that I can try and bring some sort of value to people. And I was like, okay, well, I actually, if you look back and I think I saw the video up on financial dev. So financial, uh, again, how you said with Dev Nation, 
pretty much our mission is for self-education autodidacticism because our belief is that self-education is the most powerful way to learn. So mm. I want to provide resources and just tools and videos and content, things like that to just help empower other people to learn more. So um, originally started off with coding. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to school for computer science. Let me go ahead and we'll share people how to cook. I love, I love coding. I love creating things. And it so happened that coding was the vessel that I created with, mm. right? Right. Um, I didn't enjoy the first video. I was like, cause I was all set on like, cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a post on YouTube that I, I love coding and I'm gonna share all this knowledge and information on coding. I was like, it's not as fun recording the video and trying to have to like, remember every sort of instruction you want to try and teach with people per se. I think, yeah. cause I was also taking the approach of coding on the computer. Whereas I think I'm more of a, I, I do enjoy the one-on-one. -on -one. Like I, I've done a couple, a little bit of tutoring. Like I love, if the student let's say has homework and I have to try and help them think how, like how to think about the problem. I enjoyed that mm -hmm. maybe solving it on a whiteboard, but I don't know. I just, I realized I didn't enjoy doing the recording of here's the video from beginning to end and whatnot. And maybe you could chalk that up too. Well, I was completely new to record. I'm sure now you are a completely different person when you first even did your podcast, you know, and I'm sure it's not right. that long, but it is actually quite a journey. Right. Um, so I was like, well, that kind of sucks. Like, I was all in, I was like, okay, this is how I'm gonna help people throughout this pandemic. Like I can teach people these coding skills, maybe find a job, maybe. Uh, Cause my, my big belief too with coding is it's whether you like it or not, it's in some sense, the future, right? Like it's going to be like technology, not just coding, but technology really is gonna be a part of everything. It's gonna be part of marketing. It's gonna be part of uh, medicine, medicine even more. Like it's just gonna continue to grow whether we like it or not. I, I try to tell people, don't look at it as like, oh, it's the new thing, like, just forget, not, just embrace it, just embrace that the only certainties in life are that we, we, we live, you know, we're going to die, and that things change, that's it, so just embrace that it's, it's going to happen, whether we like it or not, and the more you learn about human history, the more you realize, no, yeah, change is inevitable, whether we like it, whether we don't like it, so you might as well embrace it, you know, right, right, um, so then I tried, I was like, you know, I, I'm really into finance, I started, again, living on my own, 20, I think 2015 ish. Uh, and then, so by around 18 ish again is when I really got more into finance. Cause I was kind of in a, in a rut myself financially. I was like, okay, I'm spending all this money on things I don't need. Again, something else schools don't really teach you. So I was like, well, maybe I could try and talk about finance uh, and share that with other people. Share just some financial tips. Maybe I wish I knew uh, when I first got a job at 16. You know, mm. uh, so I did a video about finance. It might've been like credit cards or something like that. And I was like, whoa, this is fun. Like, I was like, I could talk about this. So it actually started off, I ended up changing it to just like uh, the financial dev because mm. I wanted to pay homage to to coding, to development, right? Software development is, is also right. like another word for coding or programming, software engineer, if you will. And so I was like, well, cool. Dev kind of pays homage to that. And well, if you say financial dev, I'm sure people can tell, well, that's finance. Right. Know? So I was like, yeah, no, this is fun. I, Cause it, it was just going to be like a, a fi, uh, finance Friday. I remember and I, I do think I still have it up there on my channel. If you go all the way back to one of the first videos, it was just like a financial Friday. I was just, you know, I'm going to try it, whatever. Like I have like 10 subscribers. Let's see if anybody enjoys or gains value out of the finance video. And I was like, you know what? 
I mean, I was small at the time, so I don't think I got any like feedback, or whatever, but I just personally enjoyed it myself. And I was like, I think this is something I could help people with because it's definitely, I mean, finance is still to this day, like what, what are like the main things you can't really talk about, right? I think it's what finance, religion and politics are like the things everyone's just like, you can't really <laughs> talk about. I was like, but I think if we talked more about finance, it could genuinely help more people. You know, like, like if, for example, with businesses and like tax write-offs, things like that. Yeah. I've, I don't know if you heard the story with like Grant Cardone. He has like a three or $30 million jet. I forget which zero goes where, but he bought like a three or $30 million jet because he had, he had owed taxes. So he figured we'll use the money to go and buy a jet because the jet can be uh, an expense for the business to go out, travel and, and, you know, do like what business clientele sort of thing, you know, cause he does real mm-hmm. estate. And I was like, wow, that's brilliant. But most people will say, oh, that's perhaps cheating or that's, I don't know, like that's not fair. But I think in a sense, they're right only because we're not really taught that growing up. So it takes a minute to sort of, oh yeah, wait, we can do that. Well, how do I do that? Well, you got to start a business. Well, how do you start a business? You have to make some sort of an LLC because there's like five different versions of businesses you can make. You can make an S Corp, LLC, uh, uh, there's different ones, partnerships, LLP, things like that. and so, but once you do that, then you know, you start learning about the rules of the game, whether you like it, we're, we're in this game. So you might as well, again, back to embrace the game, or you could just say, oh, that sucks, or, oh, the, the game's made for the rich. It's like, because I also heard that growing up a lot. I, I hung out a lot with my, uh, again, my father wasn't the best influence, male influence in my life. So I think I really stuck to uh, my two uncles a lot. And so I would always just hang around with them five, six years old and hear my uncle's friends talk about divorces or talk about marriages or talk about, you know, adult sort of things. And I remember uh, one of them was how the, the game is pretty much set for the rich. And that always mm. made me like question. It's like, why wouldn't you want to learn about like how that is? So like, why would you not want to learn about the rules to try and go towards the rich instead of just fighting it? Why not say, okay, you know that the game is set for wealthier people. Why not? try and get there see what worked for them so you can get there right right anyway so with with so that's how my financial journey sort of started I was like okay cool i help people with finance and then eventually i was like well still a lot of people i think could gain value from other things such as the the i started reading a, a lot more books i was interested in books even a couple of years before but i was like i didn't think that much of it like i didn't really know hey maybe if i share this it could be valuable i just kind of would share my thoughts after I read a book on my personal uh, Instagram. I, I don't really post that much on Instagram, to be honest, or with my personal account till right. the last couple of years. But eventually I was like, I think I could share some reviews or whatever on books. And so I was doing that maybe a year before. And I realized well, maybe I could do finance mixed with books or something, something that can, again, bring more value to people. So I started incorporating books on the financial devs platform. And though I thought it was cool and I, I think it was valuable to other people. And I try to ask friends and like, no, that's actually really interesting. I was like, well, I could see how some people wouldn't want to follow. Cause it's kind of like, well, if you're telling me this is a finance page, why do you have maybe books or why do you have, cause I started getting more into the books. Like it wasn't just quotes about maybe from finance gurus. It was maybe book reviews and things like that. I was like, you know what I learned just like with social media, you want to tailor uh, a bit more towards the audience. Like I, I am a big believer in, do things you are going to find fun, whether it's risky or not, if you will, still do right. it because you're going to connect with that more. But do also acknowledge, well, you want to uh, provide content 
for a specific audience. If it starts kind of going in another direction or in other directions as well, maybe split it up. And that's why I was like, holy crap, I need to go ahead and make some other page. And, and it just so happened later that week, I learned about Bookstagram. I, found, I saw like a stack of books and I was like, holy crap. Like there's like a whole community of like legitimate book people who just share information. I was like, that's crazy. I was like, I totally have to do this. So like that, within that very same day, I went in and I made book devs. And eventually I was like, oh, you know what? I don't wanna just talk about finance. I wanna help empower people to learn more because it's something I was always really interested in. Uh, I know my mom always told me growing up, I would always annoy her a lot with, uh, well, in, in Spanish, it's y por qué. So in English, it's just me be asking like, and why is that? And why mm. is that? Why? Why? Right. Oh, because this. Why? So I always had this uh, characteristic of curiosity and wanting to learn. And I realized I need to go ahead and embrace the fact that, you know what? I want to go ahead and, and, and help empower other people through all this information, through, uh, through this sort of creativity as well. Um, and so eventually I was like, well, how can I sort of maybe tie everything together? And as it grew, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not just finance, I'm not just books, I'm overall promoting self-education across the board for each one. And I was mm. like, that's, that's how they can tie together. Cause I'm not just in the finance space, if you will, or the, the bookstagram space or even book space, if you will. I'm about empowering other people through self-education. And that's when it clicked for me, I was like, oh, okay. So eventually I was like, okay, cool. I have uh, financial devs where I talk about finance. I have book devs where I talk about personal growth, um, self-development, um, but also ideas from the books. And I know we shared a lot on our conversation too, but it's like with the, uh, with the books, why, why do people love books and, and like uh, create books and whatnot so much? Well, what was something that humans passed on 10,000 years ago? I know we, we, we spoke about this and it was the, the mm -hmm. they pass on oral stories. And right. it's like, well, why did they pass on oral stories? Again, why, why, why? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, because they like to get the ideas from these stories. And it's like, oh, so that's why we tell oral stories, not just because of ideas, because they teach us something. They have some sort of impact on us that we realize we can sort of connect with within that story, within those ideas or how the story is told and whatnot. And that's why I was like, oh, okay, so that's how book devs and, and financial devs can, can sort of intertwine. And so really, you know, it was just, I wanted to go ahead and help other people learn and grow and show that, well, even if let's say everyone else in the world, you know, obviously not, but everyone else in the world doesn't want to help. At least there's, at least I am one person that can for sure help. So people can't just be like, oh, you know, there's only bad people. It's like, no, there, there's at least... You know, ideally one good person, you know, God forbid I don't go evil or something. <laughs> but it's like, I was like, well, I can at least be a vessel for good in a lot of this darkness, you know, and a lot of, because, you know, people were, I mean, you know how it was in the beginning, especially the beginning of the pandemic. Even I was scared and I don't watch that much news. Like, I don't really, I don't have a, what is it, a TV connected to cable. So right. I would just kind of hear from, from maybe from work, things like that. And so I was like, wow, and it was even kind of getting to me. I was like, kind of scared. I was like, well, crap, like I've never experienced this on the six years I lived on my own. I don't know how to deal with this. Like, cause, cause I remember at a point they're talking about the national guard and talking about there might be riots or there were riots in, in California, you know that. And there was right. a riot on, on the strip too. 
I was like, oh man, like I was getting scared. I was like, well, do I need to, I don't know, buy a gun or like, like what is going on? Because they're talking about people going to break into windows. And so I was yeah. a, little, a little scared, but I was like, no, I'm just going to stay focused on, on trying to help bring some sort of uh, empowerment, bring some, some sort of optimism and hope through these different contents. And so eventually I also created Mind Devs because I was like, well, I want to make some sort of deeper connection with people where like, because, you know, like you can have a bookstagram page and yeah, that's cool. And finance, well, that's cool. But I wanted to sort of help connect people because maybe there's, you know, some people who just don't connect with, with maybe the way I talk or the carry myself or how I do something, but maybe people can connect with you, right? Maybe people mm-hmm. can connect with other people that I talk to and they really appreciate, wow, like I like, I like that, you know, maybe if it's a 50 year old listening to me, they might not be able to learn as much for me possibly, right? I'm, I've only been on this earth 22 years, you know, so I don't know but maybe they feel like they can connect with someone maybe a bit older, right? You know, so it just, I really wanted to think about how can I better serve other people? And eventually I was like, well, yeah, this is it, like self-education and promoting sort of all those different things and, and bringing some sort of hope, optimism, creativity as, as well uh, for other people just to really build self-education. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of a story, a, a bit of a background of, of just how yeah. it kind of puzzled together. Cause I remember even thinking like, well, I think I mentioned just how am I going to intertwine this? Yeah. And eventually I was like, yep, self-education. That's what that's what it's all about. Helping people be curious and grow and learn. And then you came up with the name Dev Nation. Yes. And I was like, well, how, like, how can I tie these? And okay, self-education. Cool. Like brilliant. I have the overall idea, but how can I maybe make it catchy or make it cool for other people? Like, so they can realize. And I was like, Oh, well, I already, I like dev. And I was like, well, it's all about development with books. Uh, that's just the vessel, but it's mainly focused on growth and development. Okay, well, finance, development within finance. So that's another vessel. I was like, okay, dev, I have something with dev. I was like, okay, what can I do? And I was like, you know, it sounds cool. Like it, it just hit me one day. I was like, dev nation sounds pretty cool. I was like, it's like a nation of people because I'm yeah. also, uh, uh, another thing too, I'm also really big on traveling. I will say that was one thing that my mother gave me growing up because she worked with airlines for 10, 15 years. She, yeah. Uh, yeah, just up till recently she she did. Um, So I was one thing that I did, I would say really impacted my childhood for the better, like curiosity wise. Mm-hmm. So when my father wasn't around and we were just traveling with her, could definitely it definitely opened up my eyes a lot. And that was another thing. I didn't want it to just be for, no offense, but like not just for like USA or, or just for people, I don't know, in Vegas or wherever. Like I wanted it to be for the whole world, connect people across different countries, right? And I think even more so because, you know, in the United States, like you have to go to school, right? Like, you know, whereas there's still other countries where kids can't go to school because they have to work to make food and things like that. So it's like how, you know what, I, I want to have not just self-education for the US, but for the entire world, for anyone to have access to, you know? And that's where I was like, yeah, Dev Nation sounds cool, you know, like, like breaking down uh, barriers and borders, just connecting all over the world across different nations. I was like, yeah, yeah. I like, and I like it. I was like, well, Dev Nation, yeah, no, that sounds cool. And I think, I think that could send like a nice message of just like, I want to connect people from different countries, connect finance, connect books, and uh, in the podcast as well. No, it connects beautifully. And Dev, Dev Nation, you. it sounds awesome. Thank you. That like initially when you hear when you hear Dev Nation, some people may have the initial question, okay, yeah, you know, what's Dev Nation? Okay, but what 
what does dev stand for? And as soon as they look at your page, they're going to find out what dev stands for development. And they're going to, um, I mean, people can, people can already go ahead and check out what you've got going on with financial dev book devs. Um, and then, uh, mind devs as well. Right. Those are the three that you currently have rolling. Currently. Yes. I, I do have a couple more I see happening. No, maybe probably not for at least another year or so, but just especially too, because I'm also doing college. I'm trying to finish my bachelor's, just get that done too. So you right. can imagine I'm working full time. I'm trying to uh, finish school, although that's close to full time, but technically it is part time. Um, and I'm trying to also build this in my free time, quote unquote, that I have. So right. it's like, you know, it's not that much time. So it's, it's really like my obsession when I have any other time outside of school and work. And even during school and work, you, you'll find me sort of like, not fully focused i'm trying to like reach out to people hey, say thank you say you know hey uh have you recommended this book answer people's questions you know so yeah. it's very time consuming but i love it i love trying to help and serve other people so and i appreciate yeah. that that you actually like dev nation i was like oh that's cool yeah <laughs> i love it man i think it's awesome uh it's it's one of those ideas that i often look at and i'm like man i wish i would have thought of that obviously you can't think of everything great because that i would not have come off of uh, dev nation and that wouldn't have been my my area of expertise which you do it so well and you and I talked about some of your uh, some of your history as well with college and how you took I believe it was a few different classes and just thought man this is not really you know this is easy this is this is too simple uh, and then you're you're like this desire to be stimulated all the time. Talk a little bit about that because I yeah. think that tells a lot about your your love for developing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, for some reason, I remember very vividly. I was I was walking with my mom. Um, this was, I think, either I still lived with her at the time, or maybe she was just flying out to visit. But I remember talking with her, like, I, I really enjoyed doing a lot of different things, so much so to the point I was trying to talk to her about like her tips on, on time management, if you will. Um, mm. Like I do try to seek counsel from like people who are older than me. Right. Because at the time I'm 18, what do I know? Right. Whereas you can try and find some answers from 40, 50 year olds. And so I, I really look back to my mom a lot and it was just like, how can I, well, a little context in high school, I did marching band, I did JROTC and uh, I did 20 hours of working while also going to school. Mm. this is in high school and so I was like how can I find a way to do everything and she was like you have to give up some things in order to do other things so I was like no that, that that's not it I was like how how, <laughs> how can I like instead of not asking can I do everything it was how can I do everything I think right I think she missed the how part so I think she was asking <laughs> me, like can I do everything I was like no, no I wasn't asking necessarily for permission it was more of how can I do all these different things and so in high school, I, I like, I think my, my grade is probably where I suffered a little more, but just cause like, I'm not too big, funny enough, I'm not too big on school. I'm actually more on education. Like, I don't mm. care about, you know, if, if my, if like, let's say I have kids or whatever, I don't know, or even if, I mean, I have siblings, I don't care too much if they get C's or B's, you know, D's, whatever. Like, can you learn the information and apply it to be maybe creative or to go and, and, and actually apply to things you want to do in life and so I, I guess in high school didn't really figure it out I just kind of let my grade slip in, in high school but uh but enough to the point where I also made sure it wasn't too low to uh not qualify for scholarships mm. uh, 
So I made sure, okay, like at least I can get some scholarships for college and try out college. And then, yeah, so in college, originally I was a computer science major. I was like, cool, bachelor of science, computer science. I'm excited. For some reason, they have this rule in Vegas uh, over at UNLV. I don't know if they still have it, but my first year there, it was like the counselors had to pick the classes for you, like your first first semester. Maybe that's a rule across a bunch of universities. I have no idea. But <laughs> so I thought that was silly. I was like, well, what do you mean? It's, it's my college education. Let me, I'm an adult. Let me pick what I want to do, do what I want to do. Like that seems silly. But I guess realizing most people, again, didn't have the experience of not fully, again, not fully living my own at 16, but I did have to make more adult decisions. And even through my upbringing, like I've, I've had to cook for my siblings, do chores and whatnot since like second grade. Like, and that, right. was, that was no big deal for me like because mom had to work, right? So it's right. Like, who's going to take care of the house? I did. And I had to help guide my siblings, show them how to take care of the house, show them. I remember still to this day, helping my brother with his homework so like that he could uh, learn about math and whatnot. So I was like, that wasn't a big thing for me. Um, so I just thought it's silly. It's like, why are you picking my courses? It's, I'm paying whatever the 10 grand a year to do the university. Why are you dictating what I want to learn? So yeah. I thought it was silly, but I did it. And they, for some reason, they didn't put me in any programming classes. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm here to study computer science. You didn't put me in a programming class to program. They, and they, so they put me, let me try to think. They put me in... I think it was like pre-calculus, some sort of math class. They put me in like a history class. Uh, oh, they did put me in like a intro to like engineering. So like a first year seminar sort of class. And I can't remember the other one. Oh, I think English, I think it was like English. So, I mean, I'm not, a, I mean, we just spoke about this. I'm not the biggest fan of English. And at the time, you know, a young and dumb 18 year old, you're not gonna be that open-minded to things you don't like, you know? Right. Um, I mean, now I try to be more open-minded, see it as a opportunity, right? Again, I've picked that up from books. But at the time, it's like, I don't care about English. Why, why do I need to know this? So <laughs> I actually really didn't like that semester. I ended up saying, you know what? I'm not going to do the math because I don't see a point in doing it if I'm not going to apply it to programming. So I ended mm-hmm. up actually like dropping my math class and eventually just switching majors entirely. Uh, this is so boring. Like, the only class I was really enjoying was the, uh, what is the engineering uh, first year seminar thing. That one was fun because they, I mean, I'm gonna geek out a little bit here, but they talked about how to add bits together and, and like, uh, what drivers are and things like that. Like, like just your basic engineering stuff, programming, computer hardware, things like that. But so I really enjoyed that class. I remember that class I got an A, but all my other classes, I was like, oh, this sucks. This is so boring. Why do I have to do this? Like, how does this apply? <laughs> and then even at, towards the end of that semester, they had us uh, it was like a basic one, like it was uh, dragging blocks around, but they had us develop like a little basic app with like a sprite kit and stuff. I thought that was really cool. That I did, I felt like I did great in because it allowed sort of that creativity. And mm-hmm. so that's where I first sort of saw my hints of creativity. Growing up, I was like, I'm not creative. I just, I'm more of the logical person. Uh, like I was always good at math and, and science. And so I was always like, oh no, I'm not creative. I'm just a logical person who has to raise my siblings. But I realized throughout no, that I always was. I just kept telling myself I wasn't for some reason. So I switched from that. And so throughout high school, I'm not sure if I mentioned, I did band and I did the JRTC. So I was like, well, yeah. I was like, you know what? Let me try percussion because I, I really miss making music, practicing the logical side of like my technique. And I was very, I like examining and uh, being analytical with my techniques and whatnot. And I miss sort of the, the again, connection. You see these little 
little uh, details throughout this connection with other people of playing music with other people, you know? So I, I sort of missed that and maybe growing with other people, growing with your friends through playing percussion. So percussion for anyone who doesn't know, it's not just drum set. You have uh, your snare drum, you have your timpani, which is like orchestral drums, like dum, 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 dum. And you also have uh, marimba, which is like a big xylophone. Uh, it's like super large, it's like larger than five feet, I, I forget, but it's a really big uh, wooden board instruments. Uh, you can maybe think of it like a piano, but made out of wood and super big. And so I went ahead and did that. I really enjoyed it. I will say I absolutely loved the, the growth. Again, the development of that too. Right. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the <laughs> development of that to see it making connections now. But I miss I miss the engineering side. Like I miss I miss creating something that could not just make people feel because I, I, I love that part of the aspect of music. I miss creating things that could help people so, like help people's problems, if you will. Um, so, but throughout that, I also did a bunch of other extra stuff for percussion, like some marching stuff. I did a little bit of, uh, for anyone in the audience who might know uh, DCI, which is uh, Drum Corps International. So that's the, uh, it's like the professional marching band, if you will. So I did that too. And I really enjoyed the connection of that and, and traveling, got to travel as well throughout the summer, of course, not when, uh, when not in school. So I, again, I, I realized I really enjoyed the connection with people, but I was mm-hmm. missing that something. I was missing that, that helping people solve problems. And so eventually I was like, well, what if I did maybe, um, well, actually I almost forgot to mention, I think I'm trying to recall now because about four years ago, I might, I know I did a business uh, uh, major for like a semester as well. I don't know if that was before or after percussion, but I also did, I forgot to mention, I did also do business. I was like, okay, I'll study. I'll just get a business degree and I'll just, to hell with it and I did economics and economics was fun but it moved so slow it's like to me it's like well it's obvious of course you know if the supply and demand and this and that's like well that seems obvious to me like how does it like why do you have to teach this this thing that seems like commonsensical and so <laughs> I, I would fall asleep in the classes because I wasn't intrigued by that I wasn't engaged by any of it really um except when it came to doing like the problems like doing the exams I enjoyed that because okay cool I got a review I got to apply it Right. Throughout the lectures, and and so it would be like five weeks before you do an exam. Like ah, and realizing now, if I would have known about this, I just recently learned you could do like exams to sort of exam out of some of your classes. Mm. Honestly, looking back, maybe I should have done something like that. To me, that would have been fun because that's a challenge where I can apply what I'm learning directly within just a few a few days. Not just I have to wait five weeks, take an exam, wait another five right. weeks, take an exam. I'm very hands on and. Uh, but anyway, so did forget to mention that. But back to percussion, I realized, well, I want to do something where I can connect with people, again, develop, but also, in a sense, help the world. And so I was like, well, what can I do? And I was like, well, I really love programming. I was like, okay, cool. So I was, it's not like I'm going to go and try other engineering stuff. Like I knew programming was for me. Um, even when I was younger in high school, I showed interest in programming. I loved the idea. My mom sort of explained it to me with programming back I think like first year of high school, imagine you're trying to make a box. Well, with programming, you can code something. You code a couple lines of of code and it makes a box however you want it. And then other people come and say, hey, you're the programmer. I need this box to be blue. I need it to be a specific size. I need it to be, oh, even a a specific shape, if you will. Mm. Wait, you can do that with programming? 
yes. I was like, whoa, so programming really is, you can create and make. So, so from when I was younger, it always definitely, I was interested in that or in being an astronaut. Like I loved exploring as well, adventure and things like that. Although yeah. astronaut was from like when I was younger, younger. And eventually I was like, well, they don't have an aerospace engineering degree at UNLV. And so eventually that's what got me into programming. I was like, I can program for wherever. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do uh, a friend. I think, was it a friend? I know. I think it was a counselor. And then I spoke about it with a friend. He told me about a bachelor's of arts. I never heard of it. I was like, what do you mean a bachelor's of arts? What is that? Um, and so bachelor's of arts in computer science. He was telling me, it's like, well, you do a few less science classes, if you will. You still do your programming. Uh, you do a little less of the advanced sort of theoretical programming, but it allows you to be sort of uh, dive into more of the arts area of uh, percussion and whatnot. And so I was like, whoa, you can do that? It's like, yeah, yeah. And so you can incorporate sort of the percussion with the computer science. And so I absolutely loved that and I loved it. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Now I did that for, I think a year and a half and I was loving it, enjoying it. I loved, I loved with percussion. You had to get, uh, it was like a one-on-one mentorship sort of thing with, with other professors. And so the way it was set up at the university, we have what's called like our percussion complex, which is pretty much like the second home now, because that's all you do, <laughs> just practicing four hours every day, practicing that craft, being as meticulous as possible. And it was, it was great. Like it fulfilled the connection, it fulfilled the creativity, not just the percussion, but programming. So I programmed some projects on my own when I wasn't practicing and then practice percussion as well and get to develop, get to learn from other older mentors. Like, um, and I would sit on, Sit, sit in on people's uh, uh, what is it one-on-one mentorships as well. Like I'd say quiet, of course, be respectful, but I would also I, I look back at just I don't know why I did it, but I would just sit there for an hour and a half listening to someone else's like one-on-one mentorship, just to try and soak up as much information as possible. And, and so looking back now, it's like I was always curious, like, but I, I and I'll never forget that because it was maybe instructors like I know one instructor I think he was from Australia. But he was more for like the advanced students, you know, and I was just starting. I had learned how to read music like uh, for the second year of, of high school. So I was fairly green to the scene. Most people started in sixth grade. So imagine I started oh, four yeah. years, you know, so or even some started even elementary school. So I was pretty green. But either way, I didn't care. I loved it. I absolutely loved the connection. I loved learning. So they would take the the what is it, the mentors, the instructors from Australia for more of the advanced students. And I would just sit in and just soak up as much information as possible. And I absolutely love that, to be honest. Uh, but then it came a point with uh, the pandemic and whatnot, it, it was becoming very difficult to go back and forth from, from school to then practice and then go to, cause then I had also a few months before, maybe six months before the pandemic got a full-time IT job. It was becoming difficult to, work full time to then practice for four hours because I had to go the, to the university because the instruments, I, I don't know, I don't know how much they weighed, but they definitely weighed more than my weight. I'll just say that. So there was no way I could carry, it wasn't like a trumpet, right? So percussion instruments, the trick with them is unless you have maybe the snare drum, the other instruments you can't carry and they cost thousands of thousands of dollars. So you can't just buy yeah. them at the house. So I had to travel to the university and back. And I remember I'd get home at like one, two in the morning and then I have wow. to wake up at five, six o'clock. I was like, oh, I was exhausted. So I did make the difficult decision to then uh, change the percussion uh, and I ended up pivoting more towards finance because it was just something I could do remote. But I will say, and the reason I'm saying it really is 
I did absolutely love the sort of creative creativity aspect of percussion. I loved the connection. I loved the learning. So, and mind you, I, I really enjoyed finance as well. Like I love learning about the numbers and, and oh, okay, well, it's a bit more applicable to maybe business and things like that. So I'm finding that works too, but absolutely loved the, again, I wish I could do maybe like a minor in percussion, but then it would also require me to do like an additional year of some music theory. I only took mm. one of music theory, but not the other one. So I was like, yeah, as much as I would love to, it's okay. Like once I'm done, maybe I'll go back to percussion and, and hanging out with friends and grab a pad and drum it out or something. But uh, yeah, that was sort of my journey with college. And I remember all throughout just like, oh man, I suck. Like, why am I doing all these different things? I, I mean, uh, I know for people who've tried to do college or maybe even thought about it, it's like, it can be kind of like a lot of pressure, right? Like, like oh, you have to focus on one thing. I remember my mom telling me that my first year of college, like, just focus on one thing, focus on one. It's like, yes. But then also because I was sort of living on my own already, I was like, well, I mean, I, I could try different things. And technically, as long as I don't tell her, she'll never know. <laughs> so, um, well, now I'll tell this podcast, but. Right. But I'm actually really glad that I did. Because, again, this is still something I'm, I'm puzzling together as I go. And who knows, I might take the next decade to piece it together even more. But I'm actually really glad that I did because I, I learned a lot throughout that journey of back to, I can do everything. I just need to sort of figure out how maybe a why is also important. Like, like why am I doing this? And again, right. percussion. I love the connection and I love the growth and I love the development. So with finance, even though I don't love it as much as I, I love percussion, like I absolutely, like I totally dream on getting maybe like a drum set and uh, some other instruments once I have my own place and whatnot. Once I'm out of this, this hustle of college and work and whatnot. Um, I'm enjoying finance too. Like it's definitely fun. There's no connection when it comes to that. But then, hell, even with the podcast and creating all this divination, I love the the connection with people, you know, and helping people. And it's like, wow, like I miss that. So it's been fun. <laughs> Absolutely, you've definitely been going through a season of trial and error, and you're yes. you're finding the things that that really work for you. I I absolutely subscribe to. Uh, the trial and error method. Mm -hmm. That's how I came, uh, came to have a love for, you know, the daily rhythm, uh, the time management aspects that, that I enjoy that I've, that you and I have talked about. Uh, I've, I had to go through a lot of trial and error to do a lot of that, but there's something that like with the trial and error, I think some people can get latched on to an idea that they're in love with and they ignore the fact that what they have to do to love it or what they have to do to become it can sometimes like they don't have joy with that. So for you, yeah, you had a few of those where you're yes. like, Hey, this is something I want to do. And then you start doing it and you realize, man, I actually don't enjoy this. And you were perfectly fine with switching it up. I think a lot of yeah. people may struggle with that. Yes. I definitely think people try to force something that just, they know deep down isn't, for them and granted I think part of that comes from a fear of well the unknown right like they don't know now because they were so certain of this one thing but it's like well it's okay like if anything look at it again I know it's tough especially when you're younger but look at it as an opportunity well now you know one more thing you don't like to do mm -hmm. so that's fine it's like but if you do love it why not stick with it too like like and I'll give you a couple examples I mean I'll give you two examples so one of them was 
before I, I worked full time in IT. Again, I was in that zone. I absolutely love percussion. I was wanting to do whatever to to practice as much as possible. So much so to the point, I remember I would actually uh, uh, sleep on the the floor of the university within the percussion complex, just because I wanted to save an extra hour and a half. Because by the time I drive out home and come back or take the bus and come back, it was like an hour and a half. I was like, now nah, that's an extra hour and a half. I could just spend practicing. So to me, I had no problem. Like to me, it was just like, yeah, hey, I'll just sleep right here on the floor. I had no problem. <laughs> sleeping with the instrument and then waking back up to practice that extra hour like to me that 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 seemed normal I was like well I would rather be doing something I love more than trying to stay awake at the wheel and getting home or because um, I, I had a car for a little bit but in part of it uh, I eventually got rid of the car I don't like driving um, but yeah no to me that that seemed like a which to other people that might sound crazy but again to me I knew I loved it with all my heart so I was like I'm just gonna sleep with the instrument i mean i have no problem sleeping on the floor either i actually find it more comfortable but um, <laughs> i don't know if I, I don't know why like i don't know if that's like a new yorker thing i have no idea maybe it's my upbringing somehow I, I don't know but um and then another example and i was surprised to hear i spoke about this with a couple of friends and, and they noticed that too but uh so i mentioned dci drum corps international so that's like the professional marching band um, right so like you know you have your different instruments and you march on the field sort of thing well, there's also what's called WGI, which is Winnegard International. And that's the not professional marching band, but it's, uh, uh, you can sort of think of it like the professional marching band, but just the drum line inside a gym. Mm. So, so that's, that's, it's like, it's what's called indoor. And so, yeah, you can really think of it as mainly the drum line and you have the front ensemble, but just percussion as a whole uh, inside a gym where you do some sort of a, it's sort of like a theater slash, instrumental sort of thing so we gotcha. do sort of some dancing maybe with the instruments on so there is like a lot of coordination stuff you have to incorporate um i was like i had the opportunity to do it but it was either if i do that so mind you i did have uh, my mom taken care of so I, I got a lot of scholarships for college so i got most of my tuition covered and my mom agreed if i was able to get scholarships for most of my tuition she will help cover it the rest so, okay, God bless. So, you know, I, I admit, and I try to tell people too, like, don't, don't feel bad. Like, like I'm very lucky. It's like, my mom was able to help with, you know, things. So it's like, I have a good, yeah. you know? Um, and she, and because she still worked in Vegas, she also, we also had an agreement of, she would pay rent as well. So all I had to really worry about was uh, getting a job to pay for food, paying for any sort of extra school stuff, really, and paying for like a girlfriend and going out, right? So, um. But because I wanted to do this indoor program, I also had to, it was like two grand for the year. So I was like, well, crap, you know, when you're 16, 17, two grand is like, holy crap. That's, I'm trying to think back. I could only really work like 20 hours at the time. 20 hours, what, times eight, that's 160, maybe 150 uh, yeah. every, every week. And that's on a good on a good week. So, you know, two grand, that, that, that's at least a couple months in. And so I remember thinking, okay, I'll have just enough to either do this, but I have to save almost everything, right? And so I was like, I knew going into, if I choose to do this, I have to sacrifice something else in my budget. So to me, it seemed obvious. Well, I just, I can't, I pretty much can't eat. Like, of course. <laughs> like to me, it was like, yeah, no, of course. Like my budget needs to be like five, 10 bucks for food. And well, I realized afterwards, actually, now I'm trying to put myself back in that place, but I realized, well, okay, I have enough to, to go ahead and pay for it because I'm going to work. And I did the math and I remember, yeah, I should have enough uh, 
but I have to pretty much cut down everything else. And then I realized, oh crap, now I only have like, once I made my payment, because they would, you would do it usually in like a, maybe every month you would do a couple hundred dollar payments. And I got mm-hmm. back at 17, 18, that's a lot. Yeah. And so after I did my payments, I'm like, oh, cool. I mean, I have $10 left for food for the next two weeks. Oh right, man. Now how do I make this work? Oh crap. Okay. Ramen noodles. Yes. So I, I bought a lot of, <laughs> uh, I bought, I would always get the, I still remember the, the loaves of bread, a dollar each. Yeah. Um, I would get, uh, it was expensive, but the jar of peanut butter, it was like four or $5. So you can imagine out of a $10 budget, that's a oh, lot. Man. Yeah. But if I was like, well, I need protein because imagine on the weekends, I need to rehearse it. it so a fun little fact with, with all this marching and whatnot, they say you burn anywhere from three to 5,000 calories per rehearsal time. So wow. for the average, you know, it's 2000 calories yeah. uh, for the day. So yeah, I remember I would eat a lot. So I would just go through like jars of peanut butter and bread to pretty much get my energy. And I remember my friends would invite me during like our, our lunch breaks, like, Hey, you know, you want to come over to this restaurant? You know, we're going to go get Thai food. I was like, no, no, thank you. And in my head, I was like, well, I can't afford it. Like I spent all our money to be here and I didn't want to like tell them like, Oh, you know, I'm like broke, but I mean, I was, yeah, I was dirt broke. And so I remember, and they told me like, they always realized I carried a loaf of bread, but they never knew why. Like, you know, I still hang wow. out with them now. They're like, yeah, you know, we never knew why. I was like, oh yeah, it's because I couldn't afford anything else. So I would bring my, my loaf of bread and I would just eat like a couple slices of bread with peanut, with peanut butter on it and eat that as my, uh, as my meals. But to me, it was like, I loved it. Like I would do it again. <laughs> why not? Right? That is so awesome, man. Like it was, I mean, weirdly enough, it was fun. And, and I will try to also advise, like, of course, I think there's a difference when you're put in the situation of you can make the choice to do that versus, you know, there's other people who are genuinely starving because they don't have a choice. So, so I, right. I will, I will try to, I do try to tell people that too, whenever I share that story, it's like, there is most definitely like, at least a psychological difference of you can choose to, to starve to do something you love, or you're just in a situation you can't afford anything, you know? So, so there's, right. there, but no, I loved it. I absolutely. Well, no, it. yeah. <laughs> the the difference is uh, uh, kind of a victim of circumstance, whereas yours is uh, yeah, just a hundred percent dedication. Yeah. Like that's what it was for you, but it didn't even feel like a sacrifice. I think that yeah. that man, I think I think that is what people need to find. Find what it is that you start sacrificing things people call you crazy for, and yes. you don't even realize how crazy it is, dude. If that's the only if that's the only takeaway that we have, we have several. Uh, and I'll and I'll do an episode where I kind of recap some of the some of the ins and outs of our conversation because I know we won't have time to go into all of it. We're doing an extra long uh, episode, uh, yes. Ryan and I are, and we're doing um, a part on my podcast and then we'll do a part on his podcast. And um, but yeah, dude, that man, that that really does speak to. It makes me kind of question. Okay, what kind of sacrifices have I made that have felt like a sacrifice? What kind of sacrifices have I made? that have just felt normal um, right? that other people call you crazy for exactly that other people yeah. call me crazy for because you won't see it in the like i think if it's really something you're obsessive over, and I, i've been told sometimes people don't like that characteristic about me but i think it's both probably my best characteristic and also something that's also held me back a little bit the obsessiveness about it like it won't mm. seem like a crazy thing like like to me it didn't really seem that crazy of course sometimes they're in the middle like damn i'm really hungry uh and i mean honestly if it got really bad i would ask my friends for leftovers to be honest like, yo 
you know, I know you're t- going to take that home anyway. You know, you could just give me that box, you know. So, but yeah, in the moment, it was just like, well, that's just what I got to do. That's it. It's like just what needs to be done. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that's Thank fantastic. You. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, so we're about to pack in the first hour of, of my, really? oh, yeah, of, oh, wow, of, yeah. Of, of my episode <laughs> together. And no, again, this is how we ended up doing a whole hour and a half talking until mm-hmm. my phone died the first time, yeah. because there's just so much we can unpack. And, um, you know, and, and you're still, you're still kind of grinding it out, uh, aren't you, you know, with, with some of the things that you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say I'm grinding a little less just because uh, now I also live with someone else. But mm-hmm. if it were completely up to me, I would still not have the bookshelves. I would have just kept stacking them on the floor, save the, I don't really remember how much they're like, maybe 50 bucks each bookshelf and, and just use that to either save up or invest, whatever. Um, right. I would be living in a room because um, that's what I did for four years throughout college and, and part of high school. No, five years, five years throughout college and high school. I just rented a room. It seemed right. like, okay, uh, where can I get a place to stay for the lowest price where I'm not necessarily risking my life, right? Like, okay, like really bad area. <laughs> right, right. Um, and even then, like, I used to live close to university for a little bit and that was a little, a little sketchier, but to me, it was no problem. I was like, well, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll be careful at night, but even then it would be difficult too. Cause I remember catching the bus up at like one o'clock in the morning from work, but oh, I digress. Um, if it, I think if it were up to me, I would definitely just have a room. And uh, again, I would probably be doing that. Uh, not so drastically cause now I have a full-time job so I can, now it's more of a focusing on saving and uh, to sort of either invest that or use for school. Cause school, now that I'm working full time and I had to do school part-time, I had to lose a lot of my scholarships. So, so and you've got I'm, a girlfriend now, right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. well, and actually the girlfriend. same girlfriend. Yeah. The same girlfriend from high school. See, I don't think, and, and I was talking to her about it. I think after our conversation too, I was like, did you ever know that like, I was practically starving the whole time? Like, no, I, I didn't know. Like, and I, um, I was happy that she didn't, because like I didn't want her to like either feel bad for me or like anything like that. Like, I, I just wanted her to, in a sense, be happy. Like, you know, she's with me. But so I'm glad no one really noticed it. But um. But yeah, like, I, I was talking to her about it, and she was like, "No, I, n- I never really noticed that it was like that intense." And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, good. <laughs> then I'm happy. Like, as long as right. like, it's not." Like you notice, like oh shit, you know he's got nothing. Like, ugh. like, <laughs> I was like no, like because whenever she came, I try to make sure to like, ah, damn, I gotta spend these last couple of dollars to make sure she, you know you take her to the movies or something, you know. Right, but then right. that, that was that would leave me with like a dollar or two left. So I remember going to like the Dollar General store to buy the uh, what was it? What I guess sometimes it was like the, the one dollar big frozen uh, like uh, pies or something like that, and just yeah yeah yeah, and parse that out. Or uh, sometimes if I had a little extra, I'd get like the three or four dollar big pies. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna split that up, so it's gonna last me a couple of days. So, dude, you're inspiring me to make a sacrifice, and I may not even need to make one. Yeah, you're just <laughs> you're just inspiring me to do so. I hope our listeners feel the same way. Uh, but obviously, make sure that it's something that again we go yeah. back to. Don't sacrifice it because it's something that you might feel you need yeah. to do sacrifice it because it just yes. comes naturally right like mm-hmm. that's that's such an awesome takeaway so I, I will if i may i'll just sacrifice yeah, yeah go ahead I, I do want to sort of advise don't sacrifice what you don't need to sacrifice right mm. um something i do kind of look back is like 
don't ever sacrifice like perhaps maybe time with your family or with, with maybe with friends. And again, you can also even ask, well, why or, or when, or, you know, ask your own rules, like get specific on, on how much time you want to commit. Right. Uh, at the time, there wasn't really much time I could do because any free, free time I had, I was working $8 an hour and hustling, trying to either uh, save up the money from work or I try to go on Craigslist. I mean, oh yeah, Craigslist too. I would try to uh, flip things as well, even throughout that, trying to catch a bus to go down another block to then meet the person and then catch the bus back. Like, But anyways, don't sacrifice, un- don't make unnecessary sacrifices either. You know, like, like right. if, if, especially once my family left, it's like, I, I do... And I'm grateful that I did, but I would sacrifice time with my family, even though I only saw them once or twice a year, because now I'm, I have gratitude. I'm grateful that, oh shit, like, no, no, no. If, and this is something that, that blew my mind, but it's like, let's say you only see your family once or twice a year. And let's say on an ideal situation, we live to be a hundred, you and I. We're in our twenties ish, right? Um, so let's say we've got another 70 years uh, to live. Let's see, mm-hmm. you know, 70 times, what, one or two? You're only going to see your family, what, 70 to 140 more times. Wow. Your whole life, right? Is it really worth the sacrifice? You know, like, and some people will say, yeah, like for them, that's their obsession. Like, it's not, it's no big deal. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I would say personally, I would think that kind of sucks. Cause like, um, uh, are you, uh, do you know who Kevin O'Leary is? Mr. Wonderful. Uh, it He's sounds like a business very person. He's from, uh, uh, what is it? Shark Tank like Mark okay. and Barbara Corcoran, absolutely love him. Um, but he talks about, oh, there, there is no balance, work-life balance in this. And that's like, well, there isn't, but there also sort of is. Like I can see where there needs to be an obsession of, of, of constantly providing value, especially when you know, you're, you're starting off with building a podcast, building some sort of business, building this thing. But I think in a sense, it's also important, again, don't sacrifice what doesn't need to be sacrificed. I, I've, I've found resetting on a Saturday or a Sunday, sort of tidying up around the house, making time to have dinner with family. It, it helps to allow sort of that creativity and that sort of re- like renewed perspective on what you're doing, you know? So yeah. It's like, whereas anytime, I mean, I remember thinking back now, it's like, anytime they try to interact with me, I would just be stressed like, leave me alone. No, don't talk to me. Because I was so focused on trying to do all this extra stuff that Really, I look back as like, no, oh, I was already so, you know, like you only get so much what headspace till like your yeah. brain has had enough, you know. So even though I can agree with uh, Kevin O'Leary about, oh, there's no work-life balance, there also is in a sense. So so find what how much you want to obsess over, you know. Yeah. Like, just don't make something, don't make a sacrifice that is like unnecessary. Really, just don't make unnecessary sacrifices. <laughs> Hey, hey, I subscribe to that 100%. People on uh, people on my podcast have heard me talk about the concepts of uh, balancing your relationships, uh, your your self growth areas, your health and your wealth. And um, now balance. And I'm I'm using my main source of, of being able to look up definitions right now with you, which is my phone. But uh, there's a definition for the word balance. And it starts off by saying that balance is when uh, is when all things are equal or and then this is the part that I talk about when I talk about balance or everything has 
its uh, its own portion. So if you were to Google it, mm. it says if everything's equal or has its own portion. So the or mm. cancels out the concept that everything has to be equal. Yeah. Balance can also mean that it just has its own portion. So you may have very low portion on your relationships, but that may be all that is needed to yeah, keep sufficient. that healthy. Yeah, yes. to keep it healthy. That may be all that's needed. It's quality over quantity in terms sure. of time. Uh, and then yes. you do the same thing and everything else. How much quality are you getting out of the time that you're giving it? Does the quality help with that balance? So you're mm-hmm. that's where you start looking at everything, have its own portion. But yeah. um, I digress on that because I want to talk about because we're getting to the end of my portion of the uh, of, of the episode for our podcast, and we'll transition into uh, my my portion onto your episode, which I want to talk about the fact that your um, your Instagram pages and the platforms that you use for dev mm-hmm. that you're building into Dev Nation, you started off with financial devs. You did uh, book devs, which is your uh, most successful in terms of, uh, you know, following. Yeah. Right. That was going to be my question. How did that make that turn? That was your secondary one that you moved into. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So um, after finance devs, there was book devs. And then you've also got mind devs, which is yeah, what which you is and I'll be on. Also in the works. Yeah. Right. Um, so you want me to talk about what the, why I think that one grew more? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I definitely think the niche helps. So like people don't really want to talk about finance. I like, like, like just naturally it it seems weird to even talk about money. Like it's just like, and I get it. Like, I don't like people asking like how much I make or like, like even, uh, I don't know, just like different personal financial, it just seems a little weird, but I have no problem talking about technical terms of money, like credit cards or talking about, uh, I don't know, uh, I think that's a cultural it. thing too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, whereas with books, you know, people aren't going to, oh yeah, I like books, cool. I, you know, so I, I think gotcha. it's definitely a bit of the, the stigma of money. And something I've been trying to do more with, with financial devs is I try to do IG Lives every Monday, mm. uh, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, if anyone wants to check it out. But hey, there you go. To try and break sort of the stigma of money. Whereas with, again, with book devs, people like, if you like books, well, you like books. If you like learning and growing, well, for the most part, you can either learn that through uh, what YouTube, Instagram, uh, books as well. But that's just one vessel of the overall learning and growing, right? So right. again, so I, I think I think really it's just uh, the niche of of finance versus books. Like books is like oh, that sounds cool. You know, it's like right. finance kind of like, oh, I don't know, right. Let's say even if if you're someone who actually could really benefit from financial information. Well, immediately you can feel like your blood boiling perhaps, or you just, you feel the stress because you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about finance. Those books, mm. it seems like, okay, cool. I'm going to learn. seems a little more. Right. I guess what, positive, if you will, or optimistic, I don't know. And there's several yeah. topics that could be touched on in, in books yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's why I really, I really don't know. I mean, when you also talked about your tactics in terms of uh, what helped you grow your audience as well, yeah. which you and I talked about, which was the seeking out ways to help people, not only on your own platform, but spending, uh, from what you told me, a decent amount of time mm-hmm. just going through kind of the rabbit hole of people's interests and answering questions. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I, 
I watched a YouTube video. I, I can't even say who, which I feel terrible for because it completely <laughs> changed my perspective on sort of money and service. But it's like the way to become a millionaire is to help a million people. Mm. I heard that and I was like, holy shit. Like, of course, I need to not be selfish and oh, ego. No, 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 no. Just don't worry about that. Like, like that just comes because I'm listening to other people. No, no, no. Focus on you. Focus on, well, not just you, but like providing value to other people. How can I help right. others? How can I, uh, I don't know if people have ever done sports, whatever. Have you done any sort of maybe extracurricular in high school, anything like that? A, a little bit. My thing was, I went to work very early, but okay. for your point, I've done some sports here and there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, but I think everybody's heard the concept of like, whenever you want to visit, like maybe on a field trip, clean up, if you see trash on the floor, things like that. Right. Right. And I, I realized I could connect, you can connect that concept with people. You can hope in a sense, pick up other people's trash or help pour, fill other people's glasses. If you will, like, like when, when you and I meet, don't like try not to think of it as what can I get out of you? Like I try to think of it, like, how can I help you? How can I bring you more value bring your audience more value you know what i mean right and so i think once i made that connection i was like holy crap like that's what i need to do um and so i just started doing that so like with uh as you said i'll go uh, my favorite platform i think is instagram for sure uh, i still get i'm still working out uh doing youtube videos i still get a bit nervous with the with the youtube recordings and whatnot right um, but it definitely, I look back and I'm like, well, it's a lot better than when I first started. Whereas with, with Instagram, I could just sort of write out the text, share ideas, maybe do like a little, what is it, IG story and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I love, again, just trying to bring value to other people, filling up other people's cups. Because, you know, even for me, like we all have bad days. So it's like, why not try and uplift another person who's, who's perhaps had a rough day or who's trying to uh, be optimistic, but is stuck on a problem, right? Or, uh, in personal development or, or growth or or just, I don't know, whatever question they may have sort of thing. And so, yeah, so I'll try to go through other people's uh, Instagram pages, see if people are asking questions. Cool, let me answer their questions. I know, especially once you're bigger, like, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, what's 100K or, or more, I guess, is right. 50K, I don't know, uh, what would be considered big for some people. But um, once you get larger, I know it also becomes just harder to do so. Or what I've also noticed, which I'm not a big fan of, and I hope, I mean, I don't think I, I will ever change it, but uh, like people stop completely in a sense, answering people's uh, questions, like in comments and stuff like that. And to mm. me, it's like, well, yes, but no, you know, at the end of the day, your, your purpose is to serve the other people. So like, I'd like to, I would like to think again, I'm not there yet. So I, I don't know, but I would still go and answer people's questions no matter what and doing that. Like, and with a good intent, not just, Oh yeah. Cause they, they're going to follow my page. It's like, no, you know, when people have, have answered their questions and, and they don't follow it's like, that's fine. It's okay. Like, I don't care. Like whatever it's helping answer people's questions to help the community, the nations of the community as a whole be one step higher than we were yesterday. You know, like just like if, I don't know if, if the overall what optimism or positivity in the world is like, this is the neutral line. I want it to be one step in this direction, not one step in the negative direction, you know, as much as I possibly can. So how do I do that? Helping other people with the questions. And I, I would do that with YouTube too. I remember doing that while in class, uh, you know, uh, I would do like maybe command F and look for question marks because that's yeah. how people want to ask questions. And I'll wow. go, okay, and answer people's questions and try to help, help them. Uh, I did that a lot with the financial devs, answer any of their money questions, you know, uh, things like that. 
And so again, just, just bringing value to people uh, as best as you can. And, and I think even starting off, it can be kind of like, well, how do I do that? I don't know anything. It's like, well, you know something like, like you have to be some sort of a functioning human being to have lived, I don't know, 16 years, 18 years, right? So you know some yeah. things and you know it a little differently than I do. So right there, that, that's already good for you. It's like, I'm, I'm sure we've all heard at least one saying that we've heard said 10 different ways. But it took the 10th way to finally click for you. It's like, oh, right. because I said it with, uh, I don't know, is instead of the, I don't know, or of or something. You know, like they said it just slightly differently and it finally clicked. And I think mm. that's how humans are. And, and so it's like, just tr- truly try your best, you're, you know, have uh, your intent. And I think that's something that people tend to miss a lot. Figure out your intent. Like, like what, what are your values throughout everything that you're doing, you know? And once you figure that out, you can go ahead and, 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 better serve other people however that may be for you right so maybe your thing isn't finance and and books but if you have something else like you know go talk about that and i know we touched a little bit on uh, psychology during our phone call and i'm right. so glad you know you, you are interested in that because that seems to be like something you enjoy and it's like a way that you can help bring value to people and and, and i also appreciate that you're a little more humble about it like well you know i don't know everything but you want to help people it's like well that's good like it's okay. Embrace that. You know, you could still, we can still help each other while we're each doing our own race, our own journey throughout life. Right. You know? So, cause I, I definitely think that was something I struggle with. So I'd imagine most people starting out, if they want to go ahead and help people would struggle with psychology, like mentally as well. Oh, you mm-hmm. don't know enough, but no, you, you do like, you know, enough to help people to some perspective. So it's fine. Just, just keep going, keep growing, keep developing, you know? Absolutely, man. I don't think I think <laughs> I think that is the best ending statement for uh, for your and I conversation on uh, on my podcast. Keep developing as as your as your last line on the on the podcast, man. That's fantastic. Um, I love what you do. I love uh, I love the story. Dude, the story is it's absolutely inspiring. Um, so let's uh, let's 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 just keep it rolling. I mean, everybody knows. Go check out uh, Financial Devs, Book Devs, Mind Devs, and be awaiting uh, Dev Nation uh, as yeah. it starts to become its own entity. I have zero doubt that Ryan is going to be doing something that uh, the whole world is going to know about, um, the whole nations are going to know about uh, because of his dedication, because of the the values that you've had instilled into you. I can tell that um, whether it was your mother or whether it was other mentors in your life, you've been, you've had amazing values instilled to you that have created a foundation that have led to, um, the ways that you seek success. You do it in such a way that it's natural for you. And I think people can learn from what you have had built in you naturally, and you've pursued naturally. Mm. Well said. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my friend Ryan Perez and Dev Nation. Be sure to check out part two where Ryan flips the script and interviews me on his podcast, Mind Devs Podcast. Be sure to check him out on Instagram. Uh, Check out his book devs, financial devs, his mind devs page. Become a part of Dev Nation. 
I know I am. I personally love uh, personal development. <laughs> I, you guys are, uh, you, you know where I stand on this topic, and I genuinely enjoy meeting other like-minded individuals, and I'm glad that Ryan and I can continue a friendship uh, through our mutual uh, inclusion in the mastermind group with book thinkers and a lot of the great things that are to come with that. I'll be sure to keep you in the loop on those things as they happen. Uh, and also be on the lookout for the new Friday episode series of A Father's Perspective. Okay, this is going to be me talking about what it is like becoming a father. Uh, this, this week's episode is actually going to be an overview of what a natural birth was like as a father, dealing with uh, the midwife, the doula, the whole nine yards. I'm talking, you know, bathtub in the middle of the living room, giving birth no doctors just midwife and a doula and we even had some uh some friends of the midwives that was there that we were okay with them being there by the way and people other people people we didn't know were there within the experience with this like this was it was a crazy experience okay i'll just say that Uh, be sure to listen to this friday's episode it's a father's perspective episode and i want to make sure that I give you guys the ins and outs of what it's like to be a father and do my best to show people that you can create your peace. You can continue to pursue your peace with the process even through fatherhood. And I plan on having my wife on the podcast in a few episodes and she can also talk and be a testament to the women out there. And you can believe that you can create your peace and pursue your peace with the process through motherhood as well. Uh, A lot of people will try to say that this is the most difficult part. It's supposed to be sleepless nights. It's supposed to be so hard to be able to function, et cetera, et cetera. I urge you to check out this Friday's episode so you can see what we have had faith going into for. We believe that by lining ourselves up with the will of God, and believing that his will lines up with our will and then putting the plans into motion as if they were concrete, as if they were for sure going to happen, that is a formula uh, for success. And, uh, but, you know, not just, not just believing, oh, yeah, this is, this is, what, this is what's going to line up, but also making sure that there's a, there's a foundation in there as well. Uh, and then not just believing and then not doing anything about it, there has to be a process in there. You guys are no stranger to that. Chances are a lot of you are all type A's like myself that are very process oriented. So I urge you, if you are a father and you're uh, you know, kind of curious of what that looks like, I'm very honored to be able to be uh, coming into fatherhood with an opportunity to show some of the naysayers out there, to be honest, just to be straight up and be, and be a bit blunt, is that some of the naysayers out there who are parents say well i'd like to see how you create peace or how you have peace with the process when you become a parent i'm very glad that these last two weeks have definitely been uplifting to say the least check out that friday episode and let me know what you think be on the lookout for that and thank each and every one of you for the ratings and reviews that you have given this show thus far they go a long way to helping other people get this information whether you're Um, someone who is looking to create peace with the process, someone who is looking to grow, someone who is looking to learn from other people's successes and failures. I hope that I've been able to do that through my own successes and failures as well as sharing with you the successes and failures of some amazing individuals from all different walks of life in their pursuit to 
to become who they want to become, to work in ways that fulfill them. All right, guys, it is the end of my work day. I'm heading home to be home with my wife and family. Be sure to check out that Friday episode. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Peace with the Process. I'll see you next time.